Welcome to We Are Everyone, a video and podcast series powered by Pivotal Moments, and we focus on the intersection of mental wellness in the workforce. We bring together young professionals and mindful executive mentors to bridge the generational gap and bring to the surface conversations about the importance of mental wellness and how to overcome career tradition challenges. Mental wellness is paramount. Join us. Welcome to Mental Recess, powered by We Are Everyone and Pivotal Moments Media. I'm your host, Jen Sherman, and we have a very special guest today. Uh, We have Eliza McDevitt, and she's a financial advisor at Raymond James and a bunch of like verifications after your name too. Um, Well, today we're going to be talking about the uh, the psychology of positivity. And I always like to start with asking our amazing guests to tell us a little bit about themselves um, and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, So I'll tell you what I do and then I'll tell you why I do it because I think the why is a lot more fun. Um, What do I do right now? I work with families and individuals to plan and invest. So I help people define their life goals and then I help them invest their money towards those goals. I love my job because I basically get to be a Sherpa along someone's life journey saying, if you do this, the road might look rocky. If you do this, you might get a beautiful, picturesque, scenic overlook. Um, So being a financial advisor, I get to witness people's lives and help them do the things that they want to do and accomplish really big goals sometimes. So that's why I do what I do. Um, outside of work, I'm an athlete, a sister. I live in uh, the Fairmount neighborhood of Philadelphia, and um, I have a master's degree in applied positive psychology. Well, we love positive positivity here at Pivotal Moment, so um, I'm excited to dive more into that. But question for you, um, so how did your degree in business lead you to pursue a master's in applied positive psychology? Yeah, so great question. Um, I started my career as a management consultant. And as I worked with leaders on changing their business strategies and helping their organizations full of people change their behaviors to better achieve those strategies, I realized that I didn't have all the tools that I wanted to measure human behavior. And some of the intangible parts of our work experiences And I discovered that psychology is really uh, the field of science that measures intangibles, our thoughts, our emotions, which then lead to our behaviors. So I went back to the University of Pennsylvania to get my master's in applied positive psychology, which is really the science of well-being. Um, And my goal was to better understand how to measure people's experience in the workplace to Uh, support business strategies. And then in the middle of getting that degree, I had an opportunity to kind of shift gears into financial advising. And I pretty quickly realized that what I like most about my own work is who I get to work with. And when I thought about my role as a financial advisor, getting to work with individuals and families, um, I realized that I could use a lot of the tools from positive psychology to help people in their financial journeys. And so I realized that um, 
that would be a, a smooth transition and uh, a transition that would still allow me to use some of the tools from, from my study in psychology. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you think about like the biggest things that are stressors for people are finances and finances. I mean, there's of course (laughs) other things, but finances are very stressful. And I just think like, I always like to look at, um, oh, and moving. That's another thing that really causes a lot of stress for people. Um, if you look at like the stressors, but, you know, looking at the idea of applied positivity or yeah, applied positivity. Positive. Yeah. Positive. Applied yeah. positive psychology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in my mind, it's one of those things of the whole reframe, right? So like, I love to live reframing. Now I think I'm better sometimes telling people to reframe things and actually taking the advice, but you know, we're getting there, but you know, looking at like, what is like, and that whole mindset, right? Because shifting the mindset is like one of the hardest things to do. We can talk like we can talk all we want around like the mindset that we want, but I like the word and term applied positivity, positive psychology, because it has an action, like an actionable word in it. So I'm curious for our audience who do not know what applied positive psychology is. Can you tell us? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. So um, if you think about psychology, traditional psychology, focused a lot on the negative part of the human experience. And um, up until about 20 years ago, that was where a lot of the science and research in the field of psychology was focused on identifying, diagnosing, and treating mental illness. And in the early 1990s, about um, the head of the American Psychological Association kind of challenged the field to say, hey, if you if we only focus on the negative, we're missing the whole other half of the human experience, the positive side, the the things that make life worth living. Um, And so that kind of opened the floodgates for a whole redirection of where the scientific research focused and researchers began to study things like positive emotion, uh, flow, joy, awe, relationships, connection, belonging, mattering, meaning, purpose, engagement at work, all of these different things that would count towards well-being. And various well-being frameworks exist. Every, you know, psychologist wants to say, here's what I think are are the facets of well-being. Um, And so there's a lot of different frameworks out there with now research behind them and data to say, you know, if you focus on these facets, you can improve your own well-being or well-being in a community or a school or organization. Um, And I can I can give you an example, but I I do want to go back to your earlier point about financial wellness and the fact that money can be a stressor for a lot of people. And if you think of a classic psychological framework or framework in psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So there's a triangle and the bottom of the triangle is basic needs, safety, security, food, shelter. And then you move up the triangle towards more psychological needs like meaning and fulfillment and purpose. And they would be at the top of the triangle. And when I think about financial wellness, I think that's at the bottom of the pyramid. 
And I think that financial security and people having the tools and knowledge and skills to take care of their own personal finance is a basic cornerstone to well-being overall. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like you go, you were speaking just about like joy and like I think joy, all these like positive emotions. And you know, at at pivotal moments, we're we understand we're not saying that you have to wake up every day and being like, every day is a great day. I'm happy. Emotions are a continuum for sure. Now, again, I always like to say that I am not a licensed professional. I am someone who has managed anxiety and like on a daily basis, but at the, but also I know that like happiness is not necessarily you are every single day. Also happiness. I think it's just like, a it's a feeling like joy is like an emotion in my opinion. But again, that's just my opinion. But when you go, but I think what we have been looking at mental, the mental, the mental, I guess, mental health continuum in my opinion, to your point, the wrong way, because rather let look at everything as illnesses, how did we get to those? How did we, how did your brain get there? Right. Sometimes there's a bunch of different aspects. Sometimes you can be genetics, but it's like, how can we take applied positive psychology in a, in, as a proactive approach to, you know, the human mind, if you will, rather than like a reactive approach? Yeah, that's spot on, Jen. And one of the analogies we use to talk about kind of how applied positive psychology fits into the world of psychology overall is thinking of a number line that goes from negative 10 to positive 10. Traditional psychology focused on the negative, zero to negative 10. And if you had anxiety or schizophrenia or depression or any sort of diagnosable mental disorder, as we like to tell negatively label people, um, you were on that negative side of the spectrum. And so positive psychology has said, well, what are the things that we could you know, diagnose or identify on the positive side and try to build more of both to help people optimize their functioning as humans and live better lives, but also potentially to keep them from sliding into this negative half of the experience. And and, and having to, you know, go through the challenge of a, of a mental illness. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're so right when you say emotions, um, emotions serve a function. And, you know, I know I woke up this morning and I didn't feel great. I couldn't pinpoint what it was, but um, I also recognize that no emotion is meant to last forever. It's supposed to tell you something about what's going on in your environment. And oftentimes your emotions will feed your behaviors. And so when I think about um, creating behavior change in people, emotions are one piece of the puzzle that can help people make change for the better. And so I think about emotions in that sense when it comes to financial experiences, are your emotions helping or hindering whatever outcome you want? Um, and so that's that's kind of how I connect emotions into what I do um, and my own life a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm kind of curious. So you said like while you were studying all that jazz, like, you know, finance, this, you know, career in financial advising kind of came into your lap. And I always think it's like the universe is like putting things all together at once. But, you know, how did 
how did all this kind of lead to your career in financial advising? And then I'm going to squeeze a follow-up question in there around like mental fitness, because I think like somewhat, some of that goes like through and through where it's like mental fitness, career change, applied positive, positive, applied positive psychology. That's a, I think I might have minor dyslexia. It hasn't been, yeah, exactly. So yeah. So just wanted to kind of throw that all into one. Yeah. So I think when my master's degree, you know, the focus was on well-being, and we learned all of these different frameworks about well-being, and basically we're pushed to use ourselves as the guinea pig. Um, so my classmates and I explored well-being by, you know applying the concepts first to ourselves before thinking how we were going to go out and apply them to the various target populations that we work within. My classmates, everything from teachers and coaches and FBI agents and um, business people, lawyers, doctors, they they were across all industries working with all different populations to, to take the concepts of applied positive psychology back to the populations where they work and live to see where they could improve well-being in in these these audiences and going back to you know my realization that who I work with is really more important to me than what I do I realized that in financial advising I can have really meaningful long-term relationships with people and really dig into what's going to make their lives worth living. And I think at the end of the day, money is a means to an end, right? And so one of the things that I try to focus on in my practice is forcing, not forcing, but encouraging people to articulate what's most important to them and articulating life goals And then thinking about, okay, what do we need to do with your money in order to accomplish that? Or if something's lacking or something's off in your well-being, can we use money as a channel to make change? Um, You know, if you're burnout, for example, do you need to be working to earn this super high income? Or could maybe you back off work and, oh, you'd be just fine not earning X if you could live off why. And that's just one example and, and a, a very privileged one I recognize, but um, you know, awareness is that first key ingredient to positive behavior change. And so a lot of what I do is just help people get a better awareness of their current financial picture and where they're trying to go in their life. Well, I think that's like the whole aspect around like money. I mean, like whether or no, when you like, when it comes down to like mental fitness, right. And I'm not sure if I love the term mental fitness. I like the term, but it's like, I think it's, it has to be, it's not like mental fitness where fitness is being used in like the physical sense. I think it's just a continuum of like fitness of like fitness could be actually you sitting on the couch all day from a physical standpoint, or it could be running. Like, I think we just, if we can look at, look at fitness in a different sense, then, you know, what does that actually mean? But, you know, finances drive, like the financial stress really drives like all of the, I guess, not unhealthy habits you might have, but like addiction, like addiction can come from like, if you want to, you know, thinking about like, let's just put alcoholism, a lot of that stuff comes, like not all of it, that's a blanket statement, 
But if there's a stress and you're sober, what might lead to that stress? Typically it's financials. Like financials are driving so much. But to your point is, I think if we actually sit down and think about what life do I want and how, what do I need on a day-to-day basis for the life that I want? Because I feel like at the end of the day, this country in particular has made it like a rat race where we're chasing something. And then we get to the end of the day and we're like, what was, or you get older, what was all of that for? And then you look back inside and you're like, where is myself, you know? And then you could be living in this like extravagant house or something or not, you know, that's a privilege, but it's like, but it's, I think at the end of the day, it's like, what, when you put mental fitness together and finances, it really is going down to, and which I love what you said is like, what do you want? And that's a huge, you know, a huge thing. Yeah. I, I love mental fitness as a concept. And I, I agree. Everyone could have their own definition of what it is. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the things I took away from studying psychology is it's not a one size fits all uh, situation. We all have our own thoughts, our own emotions and our own behavior sets, whether it's tackling a vice, gambling addiction, whatever it might be, or pursuing well-being. Well-being looks different for everybody. Um, work might be a big component of it for you, but not for someone else. Family might be a big component um, and relationships. For me, relationships is a very large component of my well-being. Um, for some people, physical fitness and health is a big component. Um, so I, I think I would define mental fitness. Well, I would, I would define physical fitness as the ability to conquer whatever physical challenge is presented in front of you. And like you said, that could mean sitting on the couch all day, and maybe that's conquering a challenge if you've been bedridden. Um, but for other people, it might be running an ultra marathon. It's just a huge range. And I think the same goes for mental fitness. It's the ability to conquer whatever life challenges are in front of you through cognitive skills. Fitness, from a physical perspective, could mean strength. It could mean flexibility. It could mean endurance. It could mean energy. It could mean, you know, any number of things that you might work on. If you go to the gym, what are those things in the mental space that we can work on that are going to help us conquer life challenges that come our way? Yeah. I got a quick question though, for you, because I find that projection is something that is really not saying hard, but projection or your own perspective is something that like we have, which is a unique inside all of us, but from a financial standpoint, like, and even how you define mental fitness or well-being versus like someone else or a client that you work with. I think about this as therapist. How do you keep your definition of mental fitness and well-being separate from what your clients might define. Yeah, that's like, I think what I'm hearing you ask is like, I know what's important to me in my life and for my well being and what I need for financial wellness, but that's not going to be the same for you or for any number of my clients. And I think the thing, 
don't really have an answer for what I do other than constantly reminding myself that what fits for me is not necessarily going to fit for any of my clients. And I have to ask them and uncover by asking questions what's important to them. Um, and it's, it's really through conversation that, that we uncover what's most important to them. You know, in investing, we talk about what are your goals? What are your values? What is your risk tolerance? Um, because that's a big part of investing. And how quickly are you trying to achieve your goals? Your time horizon has a big influence on, you know, what, where we're going to invest your money. Um, so I have to think about, I have to put myself in their shoes and then come up with suitable recommendations for any client that certainly aren't going to look like what I might recommend to myself. And yeah, cause I, yeah, no, that's totally because like, I think it's kind of what I, you know, when I was going through therapy, I'm like, typically my old therapist wouldn't like, you wouldn't hear anything, but there was just one session where I could just hear her. I was like, okay, Stacey. Um, I feel you. The other comment, the other comment I would make on that, Jen, is that because we have social media feeds in our hand on our phone all day, every day, we're getting an influx of information about what should be yes. what financial wellness looks like or what well-being looks like. And it is not a realistic picture. You know, if you're on Instagram and you're scrolling through, you're seeing people living their best lives, right? They're on vacation, maybe showing off a new car they just bought, you know, uh, all these that like things that are oftentimes good and great, but also recognizing that that's just a very small piece of someone's life and that you can't fall into the trap of thinking you need things and oftentimes very expensive, luxurious looking things are what would show up on my feed anyway. Maybe I'm following the wrong people, but <laughs> um, I also follow a lot of people in, in the field of positive psychology who are very real and sharing, you know, clips of their lives that are, you know, I, I know you talk about being authentic on the show and um, being vulnerable and, you know, not, and this is the other thing about positive psychology, we're not going to ignore that there is a negative part of the human experience. Things happen to all of us. Um, and that's part of life. And the, the question is, are you going to dwell on it? Are you going to learn from it? Modify it? Shift back into the positive? Wake up the next day and find, you know, a better approach? Um, and it could be a little thing. It could be a big thing that's bad or good. But recognizing that you as an individual have the power to curate, I say curate again, <laughs> you know, positive emotions and make change in whatever facet of your well-being that might be lacking that's going to help bring better balance and bring better well-being to your own life. Yeah. And I mean, to your point about like social media in general, I just think that like I was even scrolling through last night, the Instagram stories. And it's like, you think that I had a challenge where I was like, Oh God, I'm sick. I haven't done anything. I'm stuck inside. Like if social media didn't exist, like, and we've spoken about this. I'm like, Oh God, I haven't taken a vacation. 
but I know I need a vacation, but if I didn't see all these people taking vacations all the time and then, but it looks like everyone's always on vacation because that's what, like, if you look at all the people you follow, like that's literally all what they post. But like in reality, people aren't really taking vacations all the time. It's just like what they're posting in that time period. This is where I'm like, I don't even post it. I feel like it's been an eternity of spring break. Like spring break used to be the week around Easter. Yeah, but I feel like <laughs> people have been on spring break for months. <laughs> yeah, spring break, winter. I mean, they're always on vacation. I'm like, do you guys people work? Like, and then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, right. I'm always like, but right. to your point, I think it's like being able to extract yourself from that. And like, I don't. I've stopped to feed, this is me personally, right? Like I've stopped to just feed the social media bees sometimes. Cause I'm just like, I don't, I rather just like live, you know? And if anything, like, it's just, I, I think it's all just really interesting, but I'm curious, like how can, you know, as we like look into the new year, you know, how can we because I feel like we've come out of this hole of such negativity. It's like, how can we apply apply positive psychology um, moving forward when it comes to just like either, you know, mental fitness approaches or, you know, finance approaches or all that jazz? Yeah, I think that's a great, great question. I, I really feel like we are coming out of the pandemic now. Uh, Raymond James, my, my workplace, um, came back to work on Monday after literally two years. And it was, wow, such a great feeling. Again, feeling, going back and being in person with people. And I think as I think about mental fitness and what we can do moving forward is have a better awareness of those feelings. How, what are they leading? What kinds of thoughts and behaviors are they leading to? Um, and are we doing things that generate positive emotion in our day-to-day lives. And I'll just pose a question, put you on the spot here, Jen. What was the last positive emotion you, you felt maybe in the last 24 to 48 hours? Well, I would say probably 48 hours ago, I had a great, well, two nights ago I had a good conversation. We spoke last night too, but I think it was just like the positive emotion of like the potential, not like potential, not necessarily like where I am right now, but like the potential of where I would like to go. That's kind of where my, I I apply my positive psychology. That would be probably the emotion of hope. Yeah. Hope for the future in a sense that you had, you know, some agency or potential pathways of getting to whatever it was that you were thinking about that's somewhere down the road. Um, and hope is a very powerful emotion, as are joy, awe, connectedness. And I think as we go back into the world and maybe change some of our day-to-day routines, look for little moments that have positive emotion and be aware of them because positive emotion is going to be what keeps you on that positive side of the number line if you're there. And one of the things that can boost you higher on that zero to positive 10 uh, side of the number line if you're looking to improve your well-being. And positive emotion is just one, one tool in the toolbox of positive psychology, but I think it's a fundamental one because it does do so much to drive our thoughts and our subsequent behaviors. And so if you find yourself having positive emotions, what 
then changes in your behavior or your thinking patterns. Or on the uh, conversely, if you're having negative thoughts or behaviors that are not resulting in the outcomes you're looking for, what are the emotions that might be leading you down that, that path? And how might you be able to cultivate some positive emotion as a means to adjusting the subsequent behaviors? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole like gamification in the brain. Uh, <laughs> I like to put that, like, that's a good challenge. That's a good activity for our audience. To, uh, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Well, I, I could totally, I, I mean, I know there's tons of more ground to cover, so we're probably going to have to have it on another episode, but I do like to always be mindful of time because we do have shorter attention spans these days, shorter shorter applied positive, positive psychology <laughs> attention spans. But um, I would just like to wrap up kind of this conversation today with like, what was there, what kind of piece of advice would you give to the audience and not like, and we can disclaim, it's not advice from a financial standpoint. It's advice about just positive psychology standpoint. Mm. Yeah, I think, think about what you want. Is there something that you aren't making progress towards in your life? Can you articulate that? And then can you identify any thinking patterns or emotional kind of barriers that might be the reason you're not making progress towards that thing? Um, And it could be something really small, just for starters. Um, You know, I think relationships and work are kind of the two big things in my life. And so I have goals in both of those facets. And when I don't see myself making progress towards those goals, I'll say, you know, what's holding me back? Is there some way that I'm thinking about things that isn't a perspective that's helping me? Um, It's hindering me. And if I shift my perspective, will that help me shift my emotions and behaviors and kind of start to make progress towards whatever the goal is. Um, And I think you can do that in finance, as well as work, as well as relationships, community, whatever it might be. Well, no, I love that. Uh, I love that so much. I think that's a good piece of um, positive psychology advice to leave with our audience. But I do just want to thank you. Uh, We have Liza McDevitt. She is a financial advisor at Raymond James. I'm your host, Jen Sherman of Mental Recess, powered by We Are Everyone and Pivotal Moments Media, all that jazz. And we will catch you next time. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you for tuning into another episode of We Are Everyone. You can subscribe to We Are Everyone on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and also be sure to visit www.pivotalmoments.org to learn more about the organization. And we also want to hear what mental wellness means to you. So you can follow us on social media, submit your video, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you so much.